Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17, 1. <clears throat> Recently, uh, I was reading an article about this uh, Christian singer, and she was sharing about how the first time that she had come into this church and she was worshiping God, she said, I just felt like God was healing me, like he was fi fixing what was broken in me. Uh, as I drew near to him and his presence, he began to work in my life in a profound way. And she said, I, I wanted to continue uh, doing that, and uh, that's the reason she went into Christian music. Uh, you know, all of us need those times of drawing near to God and finding that healing and restoration uh, it, for our souls uh, in the struggles of life. And so, um, this scripture today, we're going to talk about uh, Elijah is dealing with just these very things, uh, going through a time of struggle. Uh, he actually is called by God to rebuke the king, and then he is told by God to go into hiding. And he's trusting God to pr protect him and take care of him. Uh, and then ultimately he goes to a widow who uh, is going to eat her last meal and then die. Uh, she's, she's looking at starving to death, but God has another plan. And he takes care of Elijah and uh, the widow and her son. And it's just an amazing thing. So um, as you see these physical provisions in their life, I couldn't help but think about... Jesus as our spiritual provision, uh, the one who is the, the water of life and the bread of life and uh, the spirit of God who is uh, represented by the water so often in scripture. He is the one who meets the deepest needs of our hearts. And so we need to go to God and, and try to walk uh, closely with him through the power of his spirit so that we can have the blessings of his presence. That's the title of my message, The Blessings of His Presence. If you're wondering why that's not what it says in your bulletin, it's because God changed it this afternoon. Same scripture, different message. So uh, look with me at, at 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settlers said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, I stand before him. And there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Then a revelation from the Lord came to him. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide yourself at the Wadi Kareth, where it enters the Jordan. You are to drink from the Wadi, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he did what the Lord commanded. Elijah left and lived by the Wadi Kareth as it enters the Jordan. Uh, the ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he drank from the wadi. After a while, the wadi dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to him, Get up, go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. When he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow woman gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. As she went to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I'm gathering a couple of sticks in order to prepare for myself and my son so that we can eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said. 
But first, make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. Afterward, you may make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The flour jar will not become empty, and the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty, and the oil jug did not run dry, according to the word of the Lord he had spoken to Elijah. After this, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. His illness became very severe until no breath remained in him. She said to Elijah, man of God, what do we have in common? Have you come here to remind me of my guilt and to kill my son? But Elijah said to her, give me your son. So he took him from her arms, brought him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, My Lord God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow I am staying with by killing her son? Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times. He cried out to the Lord and said, My Lord God, please let this boy's life return to him. So the Lord listened to Elijah's voice, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Then Elijah took the boy and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. Elijah said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know you're a man of God and that the Lord's word from your mouth is true. There's some ironies in this scripture because um, the problem with the Israelites at this point in their history is that they're worshiping the god Baal. And Baal is the god of Sidon which is where he goes to the widow. Uh, And so God is taking care of Elijah in the middle of this famine, and and then he's taking care of him in Sidon, the very place where Baal is supposed to be the God. Uh, Matter of fact, they believe that during times of drought that Baal would die, and he'd literally have to be called back to life. And so Baal has no power in his own country. But God comes to this country... Uh, and through Elijah, um, works this miracle so that he would show that there is one true God, no matter where you are on the planet, and his name is Yahweh, Jehovah, God. Uh, But in this, also, we see how God is faithful to us in times of difficulty and hardship. Uh, The title of my message is The Blessings of His Presence. Uh, What are these blessings? Well, first of all, uh, God, when in times of suffering, reveals to us his nourishing presence. His nourishing presence. Look at verse 1. Elijah says to Ahab, There will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. <clears throat> Ahab had rebelled against God. He was a wicked king. He married a Sidonian woman who brought Baal worship to Israel and established Baal worship in Israel. And Ahab was rebelling against God. Elijah says, you have gone to worship the rain god of Sidon. Now you're not going to have any rain. (laughs) There will be no nourishment for you, Ahab. But then in verse 4, God tells, after telling Elijah where to go, he says, you are to drink from the wadi, in case you're wondering what a wadi is, it's a, it's a little stream. Uh, in Israel, they have these streams that are running with water part of the year, and then when it dries out in the dry season, they, they go dry, and they call them a wadi. But uh, he says, you're to drink from this wadi, 
I've commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So here, the whole nation is suffering under the judgment of God, but God is bringing nourishment to Elijah. I want to tell you something. God can take care of us no matter how wicked our country gets. God is still God, and we are still his people, and he can still take care of us. And um, uh, not only our physical needs, but also our spiritual needs. Each of these things, there's a water uh, issue. If you look at verse 6, the ravens kept bringing bread and meat in the morning and in the evening. He had it better than the Israelites in the wilderness. He was getting bread and meat uh, two times a day. And he drank from the wadi. Water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit oftentimes in Scripture. And I couldn't help but think about the fact that God was nourishing Elijah uh, physically, but he was also nourishing him spiritually. Uh, He comes to Ahab in boldness, and he rebukes his sin. He says, I stand in the presence of God. I'm going to tell you, when you stand in the presence of God, you'll find his nourishment for your soul. And so Elijah had this boldness, and he had this strength, and he was able to, to carry on in the time of difficulty because God was with him. Uh, in our lives, there are times where we need spiritual nourishment, emotional nourishment from God. Um, I, was, I was hungry last night, and for some reason, peanut butter and jelly just sounded awesome. And, and I opened the peanut butter. There's nothing better than when the, the Jif peanut butter is freshly opened. I mean, God, that, that's awesome. And, uh, and so uh, I, I made me the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I ate it. And, boy, it was so good. I just delighted in every mouthful. It was, it was awesome. Uh, and my physical body was nourished. But, you know, sometimes I'm hungry in my soul. Sometimes I'm leaning my soul. And in those times, I need to draw near to God because He is my spiritual food. And in His presence, my soul is nourished. And how do I do that? Well, I do that through His Word as He speaks uh, through His Holy Spirit to my heart. I do it in prayer as I cast my cares upon Him for He cares for me. Uh, I do it in worship and singing. As I, as I honor him, I enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And I find nourishment in his presence. Um, so when you go through those times of difficulty in your life, as you come to God and as you seek God, he'll bring nourishment to your soul. Uh, I'm so grateful for that. I can't tell you how many times I've said, Lord, I, I'm not sure what I need, but I need something. Would you please supply it? And he is so faithful to supply what we need, that nourishment spiritually that we need. It comes through God's people. It comes through God's church uh, and the fellowship that we have as we discuss the things of God. And it comes through our personal time with God. So set aside that regular daily time to have that nourishment in your life. Um, You know what I've found? If you go without food... And I've, I've uh, done this experiment before, not a, as an experiment, but I've seen this. The longer I go without food, the weaker I get. Have you ever noticed that? The same thing is true spiritually. When you neglect your time with God on a daily basis, what you'll find is you're, you begin to drift. I, for me, I've noticed about three days, if I do what's called microwave devotions, where I just rush through it real fast and 
I used to do that when I was a kid. My mom said we had to read two psalms every day. So I found the shortest psalms that I could find. And I, I would read these psalms. I'm not encouraging this practice. Some uh, people are writing down, you know. <laughs> no, don't take notes on that. Uh, but, but, but that's what I would do. But I've noticed when I, would, when I do that, since, since being a Christian, when I rush through and I don't let God speak to my heart, that uh, I can begin to notice the effects of that after about three days. And I begin to spiritually suffer in my life. So make sure you set aside time uh, to be with God, unhurried time with God uh, each day so that he can nourish your soul. So uh, the blessings of his presence, what are they? First of all, he reveals his nourishing presence. Secondly, he reveals his sustaining presence. His sustaining presence. Um, the brook dries up. There's a sermon in that, but uh, I don't have time for it tonight. Uh, he goes on to a town called Zarephath in Sidon. And talk about a bleak situation. You're going through a, a famine. All you have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And you're going to make a, a little bread so that you and your son can have your last meal together and then die. I mean, is that not a bleak situation? They, they have no resources to carry them through. They have no ability to supply the needs that they have. Uh, so they're looking ultimately to God. Now, I, 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 can't, I can't tell you everything about this, as, uh, but I can speculate a little bit. Because uh, the Bible says that God commanded this widow to care for Elijah. He says, Elijah, go up there, for I have commanded a woman, a widow there, to take care of you. So apparently God has already begun dealing with her heart. Now, I, I can imagine how challenged you would feel by that, right? You only have enough for one more meal for you and your son. And maybe when God told her that, maybe it was she had several meals left, but still... You got to take care of this prophet. Another mouth to feed. <laughs> we had a lady in my last church. Her name's Annie Smith, and she was telling me this story about when she was a child. She said that they'd had the uh, evangelist come to her house, and in those days, uh, she was she was 107, I think, uh, when I left there. 103, maybe it was 103. Anyway, she was telling me this story. She said, in those days, the kids ate after the adults. And meat was a, was a privilege to have. They didn't have it very often. And they, her mom had made this ham, and it was just so good. And the kids were upstairs, you know, looking through the banisters at the, at the food. And uh, there was one piece of ham left. And uh, her mom said, uh, Brother so-and-so, uh, would you like this last piece of ham? He said, I believe I would. And uh, she said her brother at that very moment said, I knew he'd take it. Of course, he got a spanking for that one. But uh, he, was, uh, he was so frustrated. There's nothing left. Nothing left. Sometimes we feel that way, don't we, in our lives. There's nothing left. God, how can you call me to serve you when I've got no emotional energy? How, God, can you call me to serve you when spiritually I feel like I'm lacking God, how can you call me to, to serve you when I'm physically struggling? It's because he supplies the sustaining power that we need. Um, and so 
Elijah comes to this woman and says, get, would you please get me a drink? And um, she gets him a drink, and then he says, will you give me some bread? And she tells him, she says, I've just got one meal left. I'm going to make it for me and my son, and then we're going to die. And Elijah said, give me some first. Now, how would you like that? <laughs> give me some of your bread first. Then you and your son can eat. But then Elijah says this, for this is what, as the Lord lives, the flour will not run out, the oil will not run out until God sends rain on the land. And so the woman is given an opportunity to trust God. Will she listen to Elijah and give him the first piece of bread, or will she take her last meal and have that last meal with her son and die? She chooses to trust God, and she gives him that piece of bread. Which, by the way, God had talked to her beforehand. So if somebody comes and says, give me your, <laughs> I had a professor one time, he said, uh, uh, if, your, if your neighbor asks you for something, give it to him. He's, and he, he looked over at me and he said, uh, I want you to give me your car. I said, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and he said, well, the Bible says you're supposed to give if somebody asks for it. And I said, the, the Bible also tells me to love my neighbor and if I don't pro provide for my household, I'm worse than an infidel and my kids and I need that car. <laughs> and so we kind of had a discussion about it. Uh, but uh, this woman had heard from God and so as Elijah challenges her uh, to trust God in this situation she takes that step of trusting and she found out that God could sustain her even though she didn't have adequate resources I want you to know that's a great spiritual lesson I can't tell you how many times I've felt like I don't have adequate resources to do the work of God or when I've sat at a, at a scripture passage that God's laid on my heart to preach on, and I don't have a clue how to interpret it. And I've said, God, you're going to have to come. Or we get ready to go out and share Christ, and I've had this happen a number of times, and I'm having asthma going on. Like, Lord, would you please take care of this? Um, or I've gone to, to minister to somebody who's in the hospital, and it's late at night. And as I'm going, I'm thinking, God, I'm so weary. I've worked this, this long today, and I, my brain is shot. I don't, I, I don't even know if I'm speaking English, you know. And, uh, and I just need you to minister through me. And, and I found over and over and over again, when I've not had the resources to do what God has called me to do, he supplies those resources. And uh, it is, it, he is so faithful. He's so faithful to do uh, what we need and to sustain us in, in our difficulty. Um, I was reading a, a book this past week uh, about a lady who has given herself to a ministry to delivering people from the sex, tra the sex trafficking. And uh, I thought to myself, how in the world do you find the resources emotionally to deal with that kind of evil on a regular basis? She does it through God's strength. And, and she'd share about how she would pray, God, uh, I'm afraid. God, I don't know what to do. God, I don't have anything to offer. But God said, this is what I'm calling you to do. And she stepped out and she did what God told her to do. And God has used her to touch the lives of many, many people who were in horrible situations. God is able to use us and sustain us in ministry. He's able to sustain us in 
in our emotions as we struggle. Uh, there's nothing in life that God can't supply for us as we come to him. Uh, God gave a miraculous supernatural provision not only to show that he was God and that Baal was not, but also to show these people that he cared for them. Isn't it neat that God cared for a widow in Zarephath? Do you know God has always had a heart for the nations? Uh, not just the people of Israel. God said, Israel, I have chosen you to be a light to the nations. God cared about this widow woman and her struggle. He saw her struggle. He saw her need. And God, Elijah had a need. And God put the two of them together uh, to meet the needs of both with his supernatural power. It's amazing how God will do that. You have a need on one end. Somebody else has a need on the other hand. God leads you together, and God uses that situation to meet your need. Um, sometimes uh, we need encouragement, don't we? I, I think I shared with you all uh, a few weeks ago about the lady who'd had the amputations, and she gave me this great report when I went to see her. I'm so grateful for this. Because my relationship with my sister has been restored. And for, for years we've not spoken and now we are friends again. And, and I'm able to enjoy that relationship. And I would do it all over again just for that. And she, she was just basically testifying. I mean, she was, she was getting excited in the Lord. and I came to encourage her, but guess what? God used her to sustain me. She encouraged me. I'm coming to do the ministry, and I get more blessing out of it than she does. What an amazing God we serve. He can sustain us through whatever it is that we need. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The generosity of the, the uh, Philippians was uh, blessed by God. God said, I, I've seen your generosity. As you've worked to bless others, I'm going to bless you. And take care of your need. So God's sustaining presence. You see it, it wasn't so much just the needs that they had. It was the person who could meet the needs. Sometimes we get the two of those things mixed up. We think well this is what I need. And it's this whatever it is. Um, maybe it's healing. Maybe it's money. Whatever it is. And uh, and we forget that our chief need is to draw near to him. And as we draw near to him, he supplies the sustaining uh, encouragement and help that we need to make it through. He may or may not answer the specific things that we ask him for. Uh, I believe he delights to do that if it's according to his will and what's best. But uh, he will always sustain us through the circumstance. And so it's, it's about seeking him. If Elijah had gone up there by himself, he and the widow and the son would all have died. <laughs> because Elijah wasn't the source of the sustaining power. God was. Elijah was just an instrument. And so uh, it, it's all about God's sustaining power. By the way, bread and oil. The flour was used to make bread. Bread and oil. Hmm, what does that sound like? In the Old Testament sacrificial system, 
when they would make a cake uh, offering, a, a grain offering, uh, they would take the, the flour, the fine flour, and they would mix it together with oil. And they would offer it as an offering to God. Guess what? It's a picture of Jesus Christ. He is the anointed one, the bread of life. We mentioned that earlier. But he's also the anointed one. The oil was mixed in as a symbol that the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's what the word Messiah means. That's what the word Christ means. Anointed one. It is Jesus and his person that sustains us in life. And so in this physical provision of a physical need for Elijah and the widow and her son, God is showing all of us about our spiritual need and how it gets met. It gets met through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. God's sustaining presence. So God's nourishing presence, God's sustaining presence, and thirdly, God's restoring presence. God's restoring presence. The widow has trusted God, given the bread to Elijah first, and, and now they're all living off of uh, this, this bread and this oil. Then her son gets sick. Then he gets really sick. Then he dies. She comes to Elijah and she says, what's this about? Are you coming to remind me of my sin? You know, is this, this is what you're doing? And, and she's, she, that's the way we oftentimes feel, isn't it? When something bad happens in our life, we feel like, oh, God must be looking at my sin. Elijah says, bring your son to me. He takes him up in the upper room, lays him on the, the bed, the couch there, and he begins to pray. And he says, God, restore this boy's life to him. And the Bible says he stretched himself out three times over the boy as he prayed and God sent his life back, his spirit back into the little boy's body. Elijah takes him downstairs and says, see, here's your son. I, don't, I think it's funny sometimes what the Bible says. See, you know, see, here's your, look, your son is alive. <laughs> you know, I don't know why, it just sounds funny to me. But uh, God did a restoring work. You know, there's a lot of grief. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of pain in this world. Death in this world. Can I tell you, Jesus can restore, it, restore it, whatever it is, he can restore it. And uh, as we see in the Gospel of John, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, Elijah shows the restoring power of God. And this little boy, it could be a physical illness, but it could also be anything in, in our lives. It could be our spiritual struggle. By the way, Elijah means Yahweh is my God, but it can also mean Yahweh is my strength. And what a powerful thing. No matter where you are, no matter how you're struggling, if you feel like you're at the end of yourself, he is your strength. He is the one who can restore you and lift you up. There have been times he's restored me emotionally. He's restored my courage. He's restored my um, joy in ministry. He's restored um, my relationship. You know, and you're trying to, uh, to deal with your relationship with God and you can't, 
you can't handle what's wrong there, and, and he's, he's restored it. Um, so many ways in my life that God has brought restoration. He'll, he can do the same for you. And, uh, and no, matter, no matter what you face, no matter when you're at the end of yourself, he can come in and turn it all around. Um, he is the God who restores. I, lo- I like what uh, David said in Psalm 23, talking about the Lord is my shepherd, but he says at one point, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. The shepherd knows what the sheep needs. Sometimes a sheep needs rest. He lies down in green pastures. Sometimes he needs nourishment. He takes him uh, to the still waters. Uh, sometimes he's going through a great difficulty. The shepherd, it, when a sheep is lame or maimed, he takes it and puts it around his shoulder and he carries it. Uh, what a great picture of how Christ cares for us. And so whatever we face, he knows exactly what we need. He knows how to restore us. He knows how to lift us up. When you, whenever you feel like you're at the end of yourself, that's a good place to be because you'll lift your eyes up to God and you'll recognize that God is what you need. Somebody said, it's not until you find God is all you have that you find God is all you need. There's nobody else who could have helped this widow when her son died. Only God could raise him back to life. So bring your impossible things to God. He is able to restore, no matter what it may be. All of this is done through God's presence. Elijah says, I stand before God. What would happen if we, as a people, stood before God's presence regularly with a surrendered heart to follow him, with a seeking heart? He says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Uh, as we stand before him in worship, as we stand before him ready to obey, uh, that was Elijah's heart. And because that was Elijah's heart, he became an instrument through which God could nourish other people and sustain other people and restore other people. And what happens when we, as God's people, enter into the presence of Almighty God and we find ourselves lifted up and strengthened, He gives us the courage to do the things that we're called to do, and He works through us to do His work in the lives of other people. It's a profound work. Um. Standing in the presence of God. That's why we need to seek Him. That's why we need to spend regular daily time with Him and ask Him to draw us near to Him and to teach us to walk with Him because that's the key to everything. Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you. If a man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Elijah had drawn near to God, and as a result, the power of God was flowing through his life. That's where I want to be. I'm not always there, but that's where I want to be increasingly every, every day. Lord, teach me how to walk in the filling of your spirit. Lord, teach me how to let you live through me. Lord, teach me and strengthen me, lift me up in your presence so that I can be a blessing to somebody else. Um, Larnell Harris sang a song years ago. Um, and he said, how can you, the lyrics of the song go, how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? 
I think that's where a lot of people are. Their spirit's on empty. Um, aren't you grateful for the little lights and bells that go off in the cars now? I can remember before they had those. I, I, I can remember being stranded on the side of the road, having run out of gas. And now there's a light and there's a bell. And every time you turn on your car after it gets to that certain point, there's a warning. You're on empty. You're on empty. Do something about it. Go to the gas station, right? Um, I think in many, in many times in people's lives, God is saying, you're on empty. You're on empty. You're, you're about to fizzle. You're about to run out of steam. You need to come back to the station where you can get renewed and restored. Come back to a right relationship with me. Seek me with all your heart. Ask me to change your heart. Come to me with your sin and your burden and ask me to come into the situation and restore you. And then you will be a blessing to other people. That's what God wants to do through each one of us. Um, The Bible says in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 that God has given his Holy Spirit uh, who has gifted the body of Christ for the common good of building up his church. And so your spiritual gifts that God has given you, the, the, the unique way that God has wired you, as you are filled with God, he will use you in those ways to build up the body of Christ. And guess what? We all need building up, right? That's one reason we come to church. One, re- one reason we tr- come to church is to be built up. Another reason we ought to come to church, many times we don't think about this, is to build somebody else up. But uh, as we spend that time with God, we have a reservoir from which we can let God work through us to, to bless the lives of others. So, uh, seek God's face and everything else will fall into place. Do you believe that? I saw that in my last church. I've I got to tell you this. I know I'm probably going longer, but i got to tell you this story. Um, in my last church, I had we were trying to do all these different things, had all these different things going, and we had uh, two evangelism classes a week, and we'd go out and witness and all of that. And I was doing both of them because some people could do it at one time and they couldn't do it at another time, so we are doing it twice a week. And I was, very frankly, I was just worn out. It was just eating my lunch. And so, after a while, I just kind of felt led. It's okay to, you know, uh, not do this program and, and to, to, to move on. And so, so I, had, I had stopped, and um, I was doing a whole lot less, but then the Spirit of God fell on our church. And when the Spirit of God fell on our church, what I had been doing twice a week, <laughs> working, toiling, tired, when he came, people were at the altar weeping. When he came, people were being saved. I had prayed. Me, I had a prayer partner, and, and me and this prayer partner had prayed. And I had asked God to save somebody for two solid months every service. It happened. I didn't go after them. I didn't call them. I didn't visit them. You say, well, you're a lousy pastor. Well, maybe. But, but I, I was doing what God led me to do. But the Spirit of God came. I want to tell you something. He makes all the difference. When God comes down on a people in the Great Awakenings, they don't even need a preacher. 
They're walking down the street. And they fall under such powerful conviction of the Holy Spirit. They fall to their knees and they begin to cry out to God in repentance. Save me from my sin. When God falls down on a city, the bars close. The the houses of prostitution close. Um, This is history. This is history. And all the great awakenings, and no matter what country it was, uh, when God's Spirit came on a city in a powerful way and revival took place, things were significantly altered and they didn't have to have a protest at the bar. God shut it down. I want to tell you something. We serve an awesome, mighty, powerful God. And He's able. And so, uh, trust Him. Draw near to Him. Uh, do what he calls you to do in the energy of his spirit and then just leave the results to God. But draw near to him and find that strength so that you can have the ministry that you need to have. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, God, that we would seek you so that we can be nourished, so that we can be sustained, and so that we can be empowered.